I believe all whys need to be externally facing, which means they need to be to serve somebody else. And as a byproduct of solving a problem for somebody else, as we talked about with Podmatch, right? Success might come. It's a maybe. It's a, it's a byproduct that could potentially happen. But for me, if you really want to do well on either side of the mic, for that matter, you need to begin with what your why is. You are listening to Amplify Your Success Podcast, episode 283. And today, you're going to learn how to find your first 52 most ideal guests for your podcast. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get Amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. It's Melanie Benson, your host and authority amplifier. I've got a special guest joining us today to talk about finding great guests for your podcast. Oh my God, this is such a hot conversation. I can't wait to share it with you. Now, this is really relevant for you if you host your own podcast, if you have an online show where you interview guests, or really if you're using any uh, platform to showcase other guest experts. And this is a really big part of my seven-step framework. I honestly feel like in every fiber of my being that when you know how to showcase your authority and leverage other people's influence, the guests that you bring are bringing their influence to your show. And it's a powerful way to skyrocket your brand, to really stand out in a crowded market. I I love having my own podcast. I used to have my own online show. I, for many, many years, had a teleseminar series I did every month and turned it into a CD club. Talk about old school, right? It is a powerful way to attract great clients into your business. I call it having an authority platform. It's one of the seven strategies I teach in my seven-step framework to add another 125K a year to your business by leveraging other people's audiences. Now, this seven-step framework is the same framework that I have used really since 2002 to grow my business by multiple six figures every year and to really stand out in a very crowded market. Let's face it, there's a gazillion coaches, right? So how do you stand out in a crowded market? You really need an authority platform. So today's guest is going to give you some great insight into finding guests for your show if you have a show. And if you don't have a show, there are other strategies, other authority platforms that can work. I would highly recommend that you download my seven-step framework at amplifywithmelanie.com. That's amplifywithmelanie.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, Amplifiers. I am so looking forward to today's conversation with Alex Sanfilippo. We're going to be talking about how to find your first 52 most ideal guests for your podcast. Now, if you don't have your own podcast and you are looking to be a guest on other people's podcasts, this is also for you because whichever side of the mic you're on, there are some hot insights in today's conversation I'm having with Alex. So let me give him a proper introduction. Alex Sanfilippo is the host of the top-rated podcast called Podcasting Made Simple. He's also the founder of podpros.com, 
a software company specifically focused on the podcasting industry. Alex and his team have created popular services like his Podmatch, which is one of my favorite services, a service that matches podcast guests and hosts together for interviews and Podcast SOP, which is a project management tool that helps podcasters keep up with their episode releases. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. This has actually been a conversation I've been looking forward to having for a very long time, ever since you first dropped Podmatch and you're like, hey, do you want to check it out? <laughs> you, you know, it's like as a podcaster, like making this process simple is the bomb. So thank you. Melanie, thank you so much for having me. And, and to go back to that day, I was super nervous to to email you because you are very well accomplished and Aww. amplifiers that are listening, they they know this about you. Like you, you're just a legend in your space. And I remember sending that email and being like sweating about it. I'm like, I don't actually know if she's gonna be as nice as she seems on her show and all of her content, but thankfully you are and you've been very kind to me. So I really appreciate Aww. you having me today. Well, I'm glad like that's, that's, uh, that's just me. That's how I roll. I try to be nice. You know, I am nice. I, I like people. I genuinely like people <laughs> and I me like too. what that's you're great. doing. And Thank I you. think this is one of the things we could just say about being active in the podcasting community is when you have a podcast, you have this sense of, well, not everybody does, but I think you and I do. And we share this with many people in our community, that there is a sense of how do we help each other? How do we like like be there for each other because we know how much hard work it is to start and grow a podcast and make it a successful podcast. So we kind of all have each other's backs and want to be there for each other. So glad to be of support. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, you know, we're kind of on that note of that day that you first emailed me and, um, I think there's probably a little bit more to the story of why you started, this program in the first place. Yeah, I'd love to share that backstory. You know, for me personally, I got into podcasting because I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And Melanie, there's some some great advice I'm about to give right here. And you know this, if you want to talk to coaches that you don't have access to and you don't want to pay them, start a podcast and they'll talk <laughs> to you. And so I had a 15 year background in, in aerospace. I was big corporate. And I realized when I decided, hey, I'm, I think I want to start my own business that I didn't know what I wanted to start but I really wasn't equipped. I mean, a, a lot of what you learn in corporate does not translate into, into startup world, into being an entrepreneur. And I was like, I got to learn this stuff. So I started a podcast and just knew nothing about it. But I was like, this seems like a great medium. I can bring on some great people that have successfully left a nine to five job to become an entrepreneur. And Melanie, as I started, the first thing I did realize what you just said is how kind and abundance mindset driven people are in this industry. Like people were just like, hey, here's the gear I recommend. Here's a discount on this. Hey, I'll talk about your show. Come on mine, right? Like all these people just being so kind to me. And I, that meant a lot to me. Like, so I got started and I did really well with my show. And long story short, I started getting on podcasting stages as my show grew and things like that. So I started traveling around and speaking on stages. And I hit a point where I was like, you know what? I've done really well in this space. I am ready to be an entrepreneur, and I think I wanted to be in the podcasting space. And so I found my area of passion. The next thing I want to do is find a problem that the industry had. So I remember getting off stage. It was actually at PodFest back in 2020. It was the beginning of 2020 is when it was. And uh, actually, you just had Chris Kermitzos on your podcast. Quick shout out. Really good episode of Building Community. It was episode 273. And I recommend everybody go back and check out that episode with Melanie and Chris. It's powerful. Uh, really, really a good episode. But anyway, so he's, he's built this community at PodFest. And when I got off stage, I just, I told my wife, I was going to ask as many podcasters as I could what they were struggling with. 
And I heard from a hundred people, the same thing. There was some variation of, I can't find guests for my show. I can't find ideal guests for my show. I'm having trouble booking guests on my show. And it was interesting. The rest of that conference, I found myself meeting other people that were there that weren't podcasters, but they were authors or course creators or launching companies. They're like, man, I'm looking for podcasts about this. Do you know anybody? And I was like, oh yeah, I just met somebody. Come over here. I'll introduce you. And so I found myself doing this manually. When I came home, I was just like, you know what? What if we had something that was basically like a dating app, but instead of connecting people for dates, we connect them for podcast interviews. And that's when Podmatch was born. And that's where the whole idea came from. It was my step into entrepreneurship. So I thank podcasting through and through for uh, teaching me the way and also being the way for me. So it's been a really fun journey since then. Oh my gosh. You just said so many things that kind of get my fire going and I get excited about, but the number one thing is how do I solve a problem that this industry that's growing so fast is that's emerging for this industry, right? And that's one of the keys to finding hot offers is like listen for and look for the problem that's emerging from the, the growth and the evolution of an industry. So well done, Alex. Thank you. So let's go back to something else that you said. Uh, and I have had the same thing come up with people. As a matter of fact, I'm coaching a couple who is starting a podcast or coaching on their bigger strategy and podcast, starting a podcast is one of their authority platforms. And the thing that came out of their mouth, which actually surprised me was, man, Melanie, like, I don't know, who should I interview? Like, I don't even know where to start to find the right guests. So now that you've made a whole business around this, like, what is your advice to somebody when you're first getting started with your own show? What's the best way to identify and find those guests? You know, it all starts with, and I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know here, but you're, you're very aware of this because you're already talking to somebody about the strategy, right? Like it all begins with that strategy. And I'll, I'll say this to all everyone listening right now. If you really want to amplify your success in podcasting, the best thing you can do is, uh, Melanie, I know your time is super like, like short, right? Like you don't have a lot, but if you can meet with Melanie, if she has some sort of coaching thing where it's just, 30 minutes or an hour of her time, I am telling you, it will amplify your success in podcasting through and through. Meet with somebody about the strategy. That's the first thing you want to know what you're getting ready to do instead of stepping into it blind. Because podcasting can, it can be a lot. Like it, it is a lot. But I think the first thing we need to do is, is find that person that can just give us a little bit of their time, pay for that time because it will save you thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours. I guarantee it. <laughs> if I could go back, I would totally have met with you. Um, but then what you want to do from there is really determine your why. I believe it all begins with what is your reasoning behind this? And the why has to be a little bit deeper than some people may think. And I don't mean to be offensive when I say this, but if your why is to, to quit your job or to become an influencer of some sort or to have like all this freedom from being a podcaster, it's probably not the right why. I believe all whys need to be externally facing, which means they need to be to serve somebody else. And as a byproduct of solving a problem for somebody else, as we talked about with Podmatch, right? Success might come. It's a maybe. It's a, it's a byproduct that could potentially happen. But for me, if you really want to do well on either side of the mic, for that matter, you need to begin with what your why is. And I'll tie the next thing straight into that, and I'll turn back over to you, Melanie. But the next thing is to define an avatar. And I like it to have a name. And, and somebody I coached recently, exactly though we're talking about, he actually had a cartoonist draw up a picture of his avatar. So it was like what the guy looked like, what his family looked like in the ideal setting that he'd be listening to a podcast. It was really cool, but it paints this picture in your mind that just reinforces the why. So an avatar is just your ideal listener. So who is that person that you say is the most ideal person to listen to this podcast? When you tie that person back to your why, you can ask the question along the way. For me, mine's Adam. So I always think, would Adam find this content valuable? If it's a no, 
then this guest is a no, or this topic is a no. If it's a yes, then I can drive forward with that. But those are kind of the starting points that I like to focus on. Mm, I love that. I love, I love the whole conversation about client avatars. I have had, this is probably something I have talked about more than anything else in the last two weeks, uh, because understanding your avatar drives everything. And I'll fully admit, Alex, it took me 12 years to really create an avatar. Like I've been doing this for 22 years, 12 years. I was like, oh, they're a coach. Oh, they're this. I'm like, that's not an avatar, my friend. (laughs) So I'm really glad to hear you bringing it into the conversation about picking a podcast guest, because obviously if you know your avatar, then you know what people want to hear about. And that's going to make your show more exciting to them, right? Yes, 100%. And there's something to add to that that I like to do is I like to think, okay, so Adam is my, my avatar, right? I always like to ask myself, what do I want Adam to have learned in the next 12 months by going on this journey with me? Like literally imagine that we're climbing a mountain. Like what peak mm-hmm. are we trying to get to? Where are we going? And the thing is, you're not like, oh, let's stop over here. Let's go back down over here real quick. And when you have the wrong guest or the wrong topics covering your show, that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking that avatar by the hand and saying, let's go back down here and then we'll work our way back up. You're causing more friction and problems. So the best thing you can do is think about, okay, Next 12 months, where am I taking this avatar as it directly ties back to my why? And maybe they won't be with you for that full 12 months. or Maybe they come in late, right? But the idea is, is it driving this person forward? And if the answer is yes, then that can be a good direction for you. And hopefully that makes it easier to say no. Because again, if you're on that physical journey, hiking up a mountain, somebody on your, in your tribe, right? It's a small group. It's like, ooh, let's go down there. It's real easy for everyone to say, no, we're going up there. We're not going to go back that way. You're not worried about offending people necessarily because you know who you're actually serving in the direction you're going in. Mm, great advice. I'm curious about your thoughts on this because there's two schools of thoughts about the kind of guests, like the level of authority and credibility that we or influence, if you will, that we bring on. And people like sometimes I think don't understand when to have like influencers versus when to have the everyday person. What is your thoughts and what's your strategy that you teach people around? the type of guests they pick? Yeah, this is a good question, Melanie. One that's really not discussed enough because usually as you're aware, it's just get the biggest guests you can find, right? Like you've heard that right. how many times have you heard that? <laughs> so when I, when I think about this topic, I think there needs to be a balance. First off, it's always important to have the absolute best guest, not just the one that's the most famous. Again, go back to the last thing, right? Like it's gotta be the best one for your listener. And that's not always the, the big time celebrity. And the problem I find with those people, not to talk down to them at all, they are so good at what they do. They've, they've mastered their sound bites. You are not going, it's unlikely, I should say, that you're going to get anything new out of that person because they are just, they've been trained to automatically answer the same way they answer the last 50 podcasts they were on. And the thing is, what we find is often when these A-list people come on, you'll see a spike in downloads, yes, but often those people don't hang around because they're following that influence around. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. following you around. So you'll see a big spike and then a dip. And that's not what we're looking for in podcasting. If it's all about the download numbers, then sure, go after every famous person you can find or people with big following. But then, Dave, if you're taking someone on a journey to help them, it's got to be the best person. And in some cases, it really is that A-list person. But at the end of the day, I want to dive into the personal stories that maybe haven't been, have been shared before. An example of that is at one point, I had Seth Godin on my podcast, and it was a great episode. It was really good. It was on point. And I, I was like, hey, don't worry about sharing it or anything like that. Like, I didn't even want to bother him like that. Like, I know he's got all this content mapped out. Three weeks later, I had somebody on named Sunil Gupta. At that point, this was his very first podcast episode. He had never been on a podcast before. And I like to think I set a really high standard if you went on more. But um, I had him on this show. 
And he was like, man, I have never gotten to share those parts of my life before. And he shared so authentically, so organically that I got, I mean, the, the response I got were like 10 X and I'm not trying to talk down to Seth Godin again, people just had heard him before his tribe kind of followed around. But when Sunil spoke that no one had heard of at that point, people were like, just their minds blew like by how, like, they're like, this guy is just amazing. It's so cool. He shared everything. And it really just reinforced. This is the journey that we're going on. So for me, it's all about finding that mix. I can't tell you if it's right or wrong to have that big guest on, but at the end of the day, you need to think, is this the person that's going to add the absolute most value to my avatar? Mm, that is such powerful insight. And I totally agree with you, by the way. And I've experienced one other thing, and I'm sure you have, but you're being really kind to all the big name guests. <laughs> I would say um, they also don't make the best uh, guests because they will very rarely share the episode. And it, again, if you go back to your why and what it is you want to accomplish with your guesting strategy, if you are trying to grow listenership, you might get a spike, but you're not going to like claim that new listener. And oftentimes it's because that person isn't sharing the episode in any ongoing way, or even once with the, their listener base and their, their audience. Yeah. You, you know, and at the end of the day, we can't fault people for that. A lot of these, these people that are like content driven, they've got their content strategy done for six months. When you say, Hey, mm -hmm. I dropped an episode today. Can you share this? their teams who run that are like, no, not a chance. Like we've already got content done for the next six months. We're working on Christmas, right? Like, or, or working on, on Easter, whatever it might be. So yeah, it's important just to think about that, but we should never need to rely on the guests to share it. That is very helpful if they do, right? Cause they can bring more of the ideal people together. But then the day it's our job to build our community. It's our job to really foster that. And when you've, I have to reference on one of your episodes, Melanie, I hope this is okay. I don't mean yeah, to totally. an advertisement for you, but uh, hey, everyone's here for Amplify <laughs> Success, right? Uh, you did a solo episode. Um, it was episode 276. And you talked about like the gold of the influencers within your community. When you start getting these listeners that like really, they're just your power listeners. They are like, just, they are literally amplifying your voice. Like those are the people that you want to expect to help you grow and further it and be like, hey, who do you know that could actually benefit from this episode? Uh, so I encourage you all go back. And if you haven't heard that one, 276, uh, powerful episode. I learned a lot from it. I'm going to change some things based on what I heard. But then the day, let's just not focus too much on requiring our guests to share. That's a bonus if it happens. Within the day, it is our job to get the content out to that avatar that we have. Yeah. Thank you for saying it that way. I appreciate that. Okay. Let's um let's go back to we're going to bring a guest onto a show. You've decided on somebody. Maybe you don't have a personal relationship with them. Maybe you do. But I think sometimes, especially in the beginning, it can be a little scary to reach out to somebody and say, hey, you want to come on my show? <laughs> especially if it's in the beginning phases, right? Because you're like, okay, I know my show's new. I don't know how much traction it's going to get. How can somebody overcome those fears and reach out to the people that they know will be a great guest on their show? Yeah, this is a tough one. Like, I don't know what you did before you launched. Did you did you pre-record interviews before you launched or did you just kind of have one and go for it? Like, what was your strategy? Okay, well, my strategy is not going to be as relevant because, okay. so backstory, my, my uh, authentic story about podcasting. I had a podcast that was very successful, but it was video. I started it in like 2009, 2010 before video streaming was really popular. Like I wouldn't even know had... how to do it back then, by the way. Right. I would have no idea how to do that. <laughs> Long story short, like I got some advice from a big podcaster saying iTunes is looking for video podcasts. I'm like, no, they're not. Why did you tell me to do that? That was an awful decision, but it was very hard. It was very 
cost um, inhibitive at the time. It was like super expensive to produce the show. I was getting burned out. So my next show was going to be a solo. Amplify Your Success was going to be solo episodes. And I got into it and I'm like, I am so bored of my own conversations that I need to bring guests back on because the guests light my fire. Like I have a dance with the, the guests that people love. So I went back to guests and what I did then was, and very fortunate that I've cultivated a beautiful network. I went to my like 10 big name favorite people and said, Hey, would you like to be a guest on the show? And they knew my reputation. They knew me and they said, yes. So that's how I went about it. Gotcha. I like that you still pepper in a few solo episodes here and there. So um, I think it's good that you do that. Um, it's balance. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so for me, I, I did something similar to you. I didn't have a podcast before this, or I didn't have like a lot of influence, but where I did have influence, I launched with those three people. So I had three people that knew me, trusted me. I'm like, hey, I'm probably not good at this. Probably going to fail, right? Like just straight up with them. And I was dealing with some imposter syndrome at that point. But all three of them were like, yeah, I'll give you 30 minutes, Alex, each, right? Like we'll get on there and we'll do this. And from there is when I started actually reaching out. And like you said, it's scary at first. Like imposter syndrome is a real thing, which simply means that like you don't have any confidence in what you're doing yet or that's actually going to help them or that it's going to succeed, right? Like that's a real feeling that we all have. And that's a natural thing to some extent, but we do need to, to fight that. If we, again, started with that why, we built out that avatar, we have to have a conviction within ourselves that what we're going to release is going to help that person. And if there's one thing that I've learned, it's that, by not releasing these things and not going after them, it doesn't serve anybody. So if it's just in your mind, in your heart, it's not going to get out there and help anybody at all. So for all of us, we need to just say, you know what? I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm probably going to get shut down a lot, but I'm still going to do this because I believe it will help this one person take that one proper step up to where I am. And so I encourage you walk in with that mindset and you're going to hear far more no's than yeses. Like you will, that's just the nature of it but you've got to keep on pressing on keeping that person in your mind of I'm here to serve this person. I'm going to do the absolute best I can give it 110% each time. And I believe that again, although it's scary, it's just something that we have to do. And I think that I, I'm going to share the definition of courage. Actually courage means being afraid than doing what you have to do anyway. I think that all of us, we just have to suck it up and go for it. I, I wish I had some bulletproof advice for you. The only thing I could probably offer Melanie, if we want to get into it is maybe some best practices for how you outreach, but it, at the end of the day, it does just take courage to hit that send button or to record a video. You've got to do something and get it out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree 100%. If you've got somebody who can make an introduction for you, that might help um, kind of grease the, the process a little bit and give, help you boost that confidence. But basically know that going in, like if they say no, it's not going to be a great fit anyway. If they say yes, it's because they're flattered and they're excited to be able to share what they do in your audience. So, it, you know, you're looking for the win-win no matter what. That's, that's good advice. I like that you mentioned the introduction. That's like one of the, that's one of the best hacks you can do for lack of a better term. It's not even really a hack, right? But like if Melanie has credibility with someone that I don't and she says, oh, hey, you should go on Alex's podcast. Now I've, I don't have to do any more credibility. Like I, I've got the credibility now. Uh, aside from the only thing I'll add is to lead with value. So if you're reaching out to someone to be on the show and just be like, hey, I want you on my show because I want to grow my audience because I this, I that, right? Just start with mm -hmm. saying like, if you've read a book of theirs, be like, hey, I read your book. I left you this review on, on Amazon. Like, here's a picture of it. Would absolutely love to have a conversation with you around this book. Now, not that you made it harder for them to say no, but you gave them a reason to say yes. You're not just some random person who's all in it for themselves. So I think that those two things alone, like leading with value and offering credibility or getting someone to help you with an introduction, those two things really go a long way. And the last thing I want to mention, Melanie, that you just said is that if they say no, it's not the right fit anyway. That's right. beyond true. 
just pick yeah. up and keep on going. You should actually be thankful that they didn't come on the show because that means there's someone better who's waiting on the other side. Yeah. This conversation is so good. And you've just given me two great ideas that I'm going to add to my guest management toolkit. I love it. <laughs> but I, I'm actually going to link this episode into the guest management toolkit that we offer uh, to help people understand this mindset of how the host can reach out because this is so good. But I know it can be scary. And I just want to, I want to, in that talking point with one last little piece of advice, think about using language like, can I feature you? Or mm. can I showcase you, which feels very different than would you like to come on my show? Right. And it's just tiny little ways we frame an opportunity. This is kind of this idea of like collaboration currency and like giving first. Featuring somebody feels very different than can I do some work for you so I can be on your podcast. Right. It's just a little bit different framework. That is, that is brilliant. You know, now I want to go back and look at everyone's podcast I've been on to see who has worded it that way. Because I've said no mm. to a lot of people who say, hey, will you be on my show? But if someone said, I'd love to feature you, I, I've probably said yes, even subconsciously been like, of course, I want to be featured. Who doesn't? That's, yeah. that's brilliant right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be taking that myself and using that. I will give you credit. <laughs> Thank you. Golden nuggets abound here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love it. All right. Um, we were talking earlier on in the conversation about strategy and there's something I do. And I think you do it too, where you look long-term at the strategy of your episodes. How do you develop that strategy or teach people to develop a strategy for their podcast? Yeah. To, to run back to something I mentioned is that 12 month thing, right? And I don't, I know we didn't mm -hmm. find it. So I'm glad we came back to this, but basically thinking of that next 12 months, and what I want to do is I want to identify some, some key people or topics that there's a few people that could cover. And so just basically, I use Excel for this. Uh, Melanie, I don't know if you have a better tool. Maybe, maybe you do. Um, <laughs> but what I've always used is just Excel. So I basically just map out, okay, here are the next 12 months. Every month, I don't necessarily pick a theme or anything. I'm just like, here are the 30 topics we have to cover. And you know what? I'll talk about social media next month, but then I'll talk about it five months later because we should come back to it. should circle it as people kind of learn and grow. They'll get different techniques from it. What I don't want to do, though, is start filling this queue and saying, okay, we're talking about social media five times in a row, and then we're never talking about it again, right? You want to spread it out. And sometimes as your show grows, people reach out to you and they'll be like, I'd love to talk about this. And even if it's a good topic, but you just covered it, you need to be able to go back to them and say, hey, let's circle back in two months because that'll be a good time for the audience. So for me, again, it's looking at 12 months, building a spreadsheet and saying, here's kind of the journey we're going on and mapping it out in a way that actually makes sense for the listenership. I mm -hmm. think that by doing that, you're going to be in a really good place. Additionally, the other thing is to look at analytics. I, I'm not one to look at analytics daily. Uh, I believe that can actually be very counterproductive when it comes to amplifying your success. Like it can really, it can harm you if you're just like constantly looking at it. It's like people that are working out and they go on the scale every day. Like <laughs> anyone will tell you, hey, go every couple of weeks. Like don't look at it every single day because day by day, you don't notice something. But if you look every month, every quarter, you can be able to see some changes. So I always tell people dive into it as you're going and learning from your audience and saying, okay, you know what? My shows are 40 minutes long each and listeners stop listening at 35 minutes. Let me try for the next 30 days or 60 days, moving them down to 34 minute episodes to see if the drop-off point changes. Like look at little points like that. And to me, that's part of the long-term strategy because then in a year, like if you start this today and a year from now you reevaluate and you, after making all these changes, you will have grown from that. So I think it's important to look at little things like this. And, and Melanie, honestly, I'd love to turn this conversation on you because you've got some great ideas around this as well that I would just be curious to hear. Well, as you're talking, I'm like, wow, we are so in alignment. Like my, <laughs> I do this very similarly. I don't use Excel. I have a very 
integrated tool. We use Podio for our workflow management is what I call it. And it has this beautiful spreadsheet function. So I, I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to project management because I came out of corporate project management and that's what we do. But it allows me to look at the flow of guests from the past and where we're going in the future. And then I, um, if you don't use a tool like that and Excel's not your jam, you can also use Airtable for things like that, just for people who like Airtable. But, you know, it was, I was seeing about this and really thinking about the strategic flow around the themes and like using that to decide which guests are going to get a yes and which ones are no. I think it's a bit of a muscle you have to develop. And having a way to plan those guests out and kind of project management, I think will make it less scary and intimidating and less in the moment and more strategic. And, you know, you don't want people to get bored with your show going, oh my God, they're talking about podcasts again, (laughs) right? You want to make sure you're kind of continuing to touch all of the conversations, all of the things that your audience is hungry for. And one more thing on the statistics and, and the analytics this is how my guest expert system was created, Alex. I looked at, I would go back and look at what shows were getting the biggest spikes in listenership, which ones were getting shared the most on social media, which ones could I see in my email analytics? People were opening those particular emails because we share it every Thursday. And what I was seeing was this huge trend on certain topics and certain uh, guests. And what I realized was they had very specific strategies on how they delivered their information. And so what I started to see was trends on what makes somebody a good guest that actually gets leads. Because many of those people, Alex, were reaching out going, thank you. I really appreciate it. I actually got leads. I got clients from that episode. And what I realized was there are certain ways of guesting that make you more effective or less effective. So that's a whole nother subject, but that's part of what what, when I look at the analytics, I was like, well, how do we get more of the guests that my audience wants to hear from with those topics and those particular styles? That's so good. I took some notes here. So hopefully y'all couldn't hear me typing away, but I was like, I got to write <laughs> some of this down. This is, that's great advice. I love that. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. It's all good. I'm flattered. I'm always flattered when we get to have these juicy conversations. Cause I know if we're getting super good uh, insights from each other. I, I can't imagine as you're listening in today, what you're hearing. I'm very excited to hear your takeaways from today's episode. And I'm imagining as you're listening, you know, you're probably getting curious, like, all right, well, you know, does Alex have a resource? What can we do with it? You know, let's go back to making, finding guests easy. And I'm going to give you some props, Alex, your PodMatch program, your tool has been huge. I have referred this to so many of my clients who are getting uh, guests on their shows, I, uh, I am one of your partners now because I totally love what you do. And I'm going to give you guys a link in a minute. Is it, it is a partner link. I, it's not like I get anything major out of it, but I like to keep track of who's saying yes and taking advantage of things. I highly recommend if you have a show that you go get set up because uh, Alex's pod match does two things. I'm going to, I'm going to speak for you for a minute, Alex. And then Please of course do. I'll turn go the mic it. back over to you, but his pod match does two things. One you are going to get connected with guests who are eager and active to be featured. Now, of course you want to vet them. You need to do your due diligence to make sure they're a good fit. But the second sneaky benefit, so good, 
is you're actually going to have people say, will you come on my show too? So if you don't have a show of your own and you want to uh, start getting more people pitching you to be on their show, you absolutely, absolutely want to get Podmatch. If you go to podmatch.com forward slash sign up forward slash amplify, uh, Alex, did I get right that you're actually giving my, our Amplify community a trial to check out the system and use it? I was about to mention that because you could just go to podmatch.com, but the the issue with that is you won't get the discount that you're going to get through Melanie. Like literally the best price you will ever get on Podmatch is through this link. So I'm going to go and throw that out there. Now, a bunch of other people that are partnering with me will be like, hey, Alex, what the heck? You know, but um, <laughs> maybe, maybe like, why am I show. not getting this? <laughs> I know a lot of people listen to Amplify Success, but hopefully none of them are listening at this moment. But yeah, podmatch.com slash sign up slash Amplify. Going there is the single best deal that you'll ever get with Podmatch. So, and we, we've done our best to make it really affordable for people. And, and that's something that's like near and dear to my heart. But yeah, that's the best place to go. And you did a great job explaining it, probably better than I do. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Well, I, I have lots of people sharing their pod matching sites. And yes, there's some other ones out there, but this is my favorite by far. I think you've done a fantastic job of making it easy to really like connect with people who are actively searching for the other, you know, the other side of the mic, whatever it is. And that's what we want. That's going to bring the fear down, bring all the anxiety down, bring the courage up. It's going to help you clearly find people who are going to say yes. So your job is to vet, make sure it's the right thing. So Alex, anything else you want to say about Podmatch and, you know, what you see happening for your hosts and your guests there before we move on? Yeah, just the, the the one thing that I really like about it and something that we tried to, to solve when I first started like podcasting, once again, I started asking people to be on the show. Like, Melanie, would be on the show? Sure. You would get 14 emails from me. Hey, can I have a picture of you to use? Hey, wrong dimensions. Yeah. Make another picture. Hey, what's your what's your Facebook link? What's your YouTube link? What's this? And I wasn't smart to put all that in one email. Most people these days are a little bit more organized than I am. But I was that guy who you're like, I don't even want to be on this podcast anymore because this guy's not going to leave me alone. So one of the things we built in on either side is the the one sheet for a guest, which basically has all the media files, all the links, what your desired call to action link is going to be, your short bio, your long description, questions you're ready to be asked, ideas for topics, I mean, everything. The idea was to put it all right there. So there's no need for a host to be like, can you give me these 30 things? You've got them. On the flip side, if I'm going to be a guest, I can look at the podcast page, see some of the basic details like description and stuff. But additionally, I can also see who they describe as their next ideal guest. So I can say, okay, is this describing me? If it's a no, then I'm going to pass, right? If it's a yes, I'm going to go for it. But also describes who the listener is in the flow of the podcast. So I can look at all this stuff and really articulate the fact that, hey, yes, I do want to be on this show. This is perfect. I love speaking in this way. And that was something, a pain point that I saw in addition to just helping guests and hosts find each other that I really wanted to solve. So like, ideally, you wouldn't even have to exchange an email if you don't want to when you use the, the service. The whole thing, you can do all the booking through the system. And that was something we really wanted to solve as well. And at that point, I digress. That's all I want to share on Podmatch. But thank you for giving me the, the chance to talk about that. Yeah, I'm glad that you did because it's simple and that's what people want. And and if your budget does not allow you to invest in a super high-end podcast booking service, which typically starts at like two to three, maybe $5,000 a month, this is the perfect step. And I say that because a lot of people go, oh, I didn't have time to reach out and get myself pitched. Well, this is the antidote. Like you don't have to have time. You just have to get yourself up there and then respond to the pitches coming your way. So I, I just wanted to add that last little piece in. Yeah, it's a good point. So I like to end my 
really amazing conversations by taking it back to maybe some personal um, behind the scenes things that have come up for you along the way. I know you made a conscious decision to become an entrepreneur after being in the corporate world like I was for many years. As you went on this journey, what do you think is the boldest thing you ever had to do to amplify the growth of your business? You know, it was actually leaving that corporate job. So I worked in aerospace, the aerospace industry for 15 years. And I'm going to share this because everyone always assumes I was either an astronaut, skydiver, or fighter pilot. I was none of those things. I worked behind a computer. <laughs> I was an executive, that a senior executive that actually worked uh, ran a commercial operations division for a part, mm-hmm. parts manufacturer. So I was behind computers. I was running teams. And after 15 years and hitting the executive level, there's some perks that come with a job like that. Like all my health benefits were ever covered. Like I wasn't paying for phones. Call, I wasn't paying for anything, basically. Yeah. And when I started the business on the side, and I actually started it during COVID because I had now, I wasn't commuting anymore. My hours were the same, but I was like, man, I'm not doing anything. Might as well start something, right? Like I want to serve podcasters. What I want to do, I want to be an entrepreneur. And so I started doing that. But for a while, I was doing both. And Melanie, it hit this point where I, re- I had this revelation one morning because I was thinking, oh, cool, I'm a, I'm a side hustler, right? I'm going to keep this job going, my full-time career. I'm going to have this on the side because I've got all the, the fancy health benefits and stuff. But I hit a point where I realized that Podmatch's growth was happening slower than it should because I couldn't devote the time to it. And I could see the community side of it suffering because I was now focused on growing a software company, right? But I, I was always a community guy. And so as I was looking at this, I was just, I realized that, you know what? I have to leave this job. And the second I had that realization, I'm not like an anxious person, but I assume the feeling that hit me was like extreme anxiety where I was like, I just felt like my heart sank. I was like, what if this doesn't make it? Like, what if I fail in this? And then I don't have health benefits. What if me and my wife get sick? Like, what, what am I supposed to do in this, this, this season of life? And for a while, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to tough it out. This is what the right thing to do is like, keep my family secure and still grow the side hustle. But one day I I just, again, I saw that writing on the wall and I was reading a book. uh, It was actually by Brendan Bruchard, High Performance Mm -hmm. Habits. And I was going through the book and one of his high performance habits is courage. As I talked about earlier, is one of like the six habits he talks about. And I realized what I was lacking was the courage to make the move that I needed to make. And the scariest day of my life was um, more scary than asking my, my wife's father if I could marry her. Like that was a little bit of anxiety in that moment. But this was scary that walking into my CEO's office because we like had an in-person meeting and telling him, hey, I've, I've got to leave. And, and I did that. And he just was like, are you serious? He goes, you're literally having your best year you've ever had. Like there's gonna be huge bonuses when we're through COVID. Like all that, like just was like selling to me. He's like, are you really sure that you want to do this? And I just told him like, yeah. I do. And he goes, I can tell it's not about the money. He goes, that means I cannot say anything. And he just reached across the table, shook my hand and was like, let us know when your last day is and, and we'll, we'll miss you type of thing. And that moment, like I felt this weight lift because I knew I made that right decision. And as soon as I left that job, I actually, just because it's a publicly traded company, I had to give them a 90 day notice, which is like crazy. But anyway, so like 90 days later, when I left, I, I immediately saw the business become more healthy and grow. And it was the best decision I've ever made, the scariest by a long shot, but it was one of those high, high risk, high reward situations. It was a calculated risk. I sacrificed the good for the sake of potential great. And thankfully it has turned out to be great in my life. But that moment right there was the true moment where I amplified my success. Hmm. That is a powerful story, Alex. I've never heard you share that. And I am so glad that you did because if you are listening to this and you're still in the side hustle, I hope this is some powerful inspiration. I share almost the exact same story, but mine took a little bit longer because I gave my notice uh, one week before 9-11. So I had a little bit of a, <laughs> a jumpstart problem, yeah. but 
lots of learnings. So last question I have for you before you wrap up, what's one thing you wish you would have done sooner? Aside from leave my job and pursue PodMatch earlier, uh, one thing I wish I would have done sooner would have been to get into podcasting. And I say that because podcasting is really, it's a labor of love to some extent, but really like that, that love really transcends. And for me, I've always been the person who says I seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. And I just see the value that's getting added to people through podcasting. To me, it's like the last true voice of independence getting out there to the world that anyone can just grab and listen to wherever they are in the world. And it's, there's no like agenda behind most of it, right? Like it's just really great content. And I wish that I would have been less fearful of what people thought about it and just got out there and served the world sooner. If, if I could have started 10 years ago, like I'd be a lot further today, right? But the main thing is just, I think I would have impacted more lives. So every day I just wake up saying, what can I do to add more value? But the one thing I do differently would have been get, got started earlier on just the value adding part to my, my listener. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I think if you podcast, you may have some profit in mind, but we do this because we are passionate and we know that there are lives we are touching all over the world because we are reaching people all over the world. So I'm so glad that you are part of the inspiring podcasters that I get to call a friend and connect with and support. And thank you so much for sharing your gifts with us today. And if you are going to join Podmatch, give me a little shout out and let me know. If you're in the Amplify Your Authority Facebook group, we're going to start a dialogue. I want to hear who's saying yes, who's getting their message up on Podmatch, and who is actively working the process. I want to challenge you to get out there and get your podcast started, line up those great guests. If you're already just being a guest, get on some shows. This is a very powerful place to play. I'll be linking that up in the show notes for you in case you've been scrambling for a pen and couldn't find one. <laughs> Alex, thanks so much. Melody, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com and I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going, and I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name, and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 